the Athletic. Expect the USA to play their same system. Were Canada? Sorry, Canada. Qatar Clismic. Day eight of the World Cup sees one part of the North American landmass crash out at the hands of an effing good Croatia. Elsewhere, Moroccans roll over haphazard Belgium, and Sunday evening Germany survived their clash with Spain. We round up all of the games and look ahead to Monday. Will Portugal-Uruguay be any good? And can Switzerland stop the Selecao? It's totally at the World Cup, sponsored by LiveScore Bet. And away we go with another totally at the World Cup. This one relating to the events on day eight in Qatar and featuring the lovely voices of Tim Spears and Adrian Clark. Hello. 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 Hello to you. Also joining us in the course of today's show, very, very shortly, we'll be hearing from Raphael Honigstein live from the bowels of the Albait Stadium. And later, there'll also be Maher Mazaki on Morocco, who had a pretty good day, and Oliver Zesiger on the team that might just stop Brazil on Monday. Hmm. For any of that, though, Tim, what did you think of Sunday? What was your moment of the day? It's been it's been a long but but good day today. Some good storylines. Um, obviously, everybody's thinking that their moment of the day was was during the Costa Rica Japan game after about an hour, <laughs> when um, I mean it was it was a struggle. It was a tough watch. It was a, it was a Sunday morning match, wasn't it? But there was a really good moment in the second half. One of the Japan forwards was sort of heading in on goal, but not quite. And then I think it was Calvo from Costa Rica just pulled him back at the perfect time. Basically, this is the best foul of the tournament so far because he wasn't quite through on goal. There were like two two players uh, covering. But as he was lining up to shoot, I was thinking, this is going to be goal here. And then all of a sudden, Calvo just pulls down the Japan, Japan striker and Michael Oliver gives him a booking, which was the correct decision. But really, he was about to score and it was a fantastic foul. And then obviously they go on and win the game. It was a lovely slow-mo as well because he just... He just Kind of had it by the arm, mm. so he kind of flipped around. There was a lovely spin. Mm-hmm. I love that too. It's nothing to do with the fact that absolutely nothing had happened until that point in that game. Either. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk more about that match later on. Adrian, good to have you back in. Of course, you, you were you were here previewing uh, last time um, the USA-England game. What did you have to say about that? Remind me. I might have labelled USA a mediocre team that right. England would have no problem polishing off. Right. Um, which yeah, came back to bite me. A little bit. A little bit. What... Have you revised your view of uh, the US MNT? I was full of respect for their performance. Mm-hmm. I think that the manager played a blinder. They were outstanding. They they nullified England's midfield. But if the USA were a good team mm-hmm. rather than just an average team, they would have won that game. Okay. So I'm not revising does my, that mean my that, assessment. Does that mean that England are a mediocre team as On well? On the day, they were way below mediocre, I have to say, right. which is why it ended, ended level. So, yeah, look... You can't get everything right, and, and and a few listeners reminded me of my comments. Well, you're, you're, you're this, to do. this podcast version of John Herdman, aren't you? With uh, <laughs> they probably put it up in the USA dressing room, didn't they? Before <laughs> John Herdman, who got his comeuppance for his his act of is that hubris? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah, it certainly seems in character with 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 him. Okay, I think, I think he's got pre- he's got previous for it. Um, right, declaring to a reporter before the match against Croatia that his uh, Canada side would f. The Croatians, uh, the result was instead a 4-1 win for Zlatko Dalic's side, which saw the Canadians become the second side out of this World Cup. Also in Group F today, Morocco beat Old Man Belgium 2-0 
in something of an upset in Group E, meanwhile. Costa Rica, you'll recall, had lost 7-0 to Spain in the opening round, and Japan had beaten Germany. So, of course, Costa Rica today beat Japan 1-0 with their one and only shot on target of the tournament so far. And then Sunday night, it finished 1-1 in the big one between Spain and Germany, with which we begin. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. To Lido Sané, rein in den Strafraum, schön mitgenommen, Füllkrug schießt, Tor, 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 was für eine Geschichte, Füllkrug links in den Winkel, Deutschland ist zurück, 1-1. Wow, the melodic sound there of German commentators reacting to Nicholas Füllkrug's dramatic late equaliser Sunday night in Spain's 1-1 draw with Germany. At the Albite Stadium, literally on the final whistle, we speak to Raphael Honigstein. Are we going to be seeing more of Nicholas Fulkrug? Yeah, potentially. I think he had a real impact, not just scoring the goal, but there was the spread, there was the, the focal point that Germany perhaps were missing at times. And I think he's got a good chance of getting more game time, whether he'll start against Costa Rica, I'm not so sure. But Flick will be, won't be hesitant to bring him on a little bit earlier, maybe next time seeing that uh, he integrated really well and was immediately a big factor for this team. All right. Certainly brings something different to the side. Overall then, Rafa, you've got to go down and do your interviews. You've got 1% of battery left, but it's not over for Germany. It's not over yet. They'll need to beat Costa Rica maybe by two goals, depending on what happens in the other game. But at least they have something to hold on to. Uh, defeat would have made it very, very difficult. Now this still leaves them with some sense of agency in this group and a win against Costa Rica shouldn't be beyond them. So good battling performance outplayed at times, but looked dangerous when they went more direct, when they pressed high in the second half. And Leroy Sané made a huge difference. I think we're going to be seeing a different Germany when he's fully fit and starting. OK, and at least the team... There was no question of players not showing for the ball. Those issues weren't a part of tonight's performance. No, I thought they showed good togetherness. You know, I think it was all set up for lots of introspection into why the team's working and is there a split and is this guy getting on with that guy. But you saw, I think, today that the team turned up and played together. So I think it's the best you could have hoped for in the circumstances. It was a very difficult situation against a very good Spain team. And I think they did... Pretty well. Excellent. Rafa, we will talk again. All right. Ciao, ciao. Rafael Honigstein then. He's going to head off and listen to some players. I, I want to hear what you, Tim and Adrian, think about that game. First of all, Tim, centre forward today, they make a difference. Yeah, it's it's, it's reassuring that there are, there are some sort of good, prolific strikers starting to make their name now in, in the tournament. You know, Previously, it feels like the, the worse you were in the in the Premier League, uh, the better you've played. And a Valencia, and Kramerich, and I guess Morata as well to an extent. You know, all the all the wrong side of thirty all failed in the Premier League, and and you know they're the ones that are going for the Golden Boot. So yeah, strikers sort of back in fashion. It's 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 been a while. Nice. Just on the right side of thirty is Nicholas Fulcrook. Busiest place anywhere on Sunday was Fulcrook's Wikipedia page, mm. as uh, <laughs> everybody went to find out more about the man they call Lucke. German for gap because he has a bit of a gap in his front teeth. I am reading. There's also fascinating details of an accident at the Werder Bremen training ground uh, in which he ended up hospitalised with the tooth of his teammate wedged in his forehead. 
He looks the type, actually, I would have to say. <laughs> but what an impact he made in this game, Adrian. He really did. And, and I think that, that Hansi Flick will regret not picking him from the start. We've seen a lot of, of ageing strikers or forwards used at the top end of the pitch in this tournament so far and, and they've not really done a great deal. I think the same could be said for Thomas Muller in this game. And as soon as Falkrug came on, he, he offered a platform. He said, give it to me. He held it up. He, he brought the wingers into play and he scored a fantastic goal, didn't he? I thought that it was a, he, he lashed it into the top corner. There was no hesitation put his foot through the ball in the moment that mattered because it's a big moment for him. He's a rookie at international level and he showed no sign of nerves at all. He, he grasped that moment and I thought he was outstanding and in my opinion, he would have to play in the next game. It, it, it just made such a difference. Thomas Muller was practically playing as an extra midfielder. They didn't have anybody there. As soon as he came onto the pitch, Germany were able to go 20 yards higher up the pitch got their wingers in behind it was it was it made the world a difference it was another striker who came on from the spanish bench who'd opened the scoring alvaro morata with another particularly brilliant goal tim oh one of my favorite finishes of the tournament so far is mm. real quality which other um, ones are in there with um there's Richarlison a, second would it yeah that's probably the yeah that's probably yeah. the outstanding goal so far mm. but in terms of a technical Gavi. One, one touch uh yeah that would be up there yeah um not been too many sort of long-range screamers. No, no, very little from outside the box, actually. Very little. Yeah, I thought um, it was interesting that that was one of the first times I'd really seen uh, Jordi Alba get to the get quite far down the pitch. In fact, his average position in the first half was in his own half. You know, Spain are quite disciplined, you know, posi positionally. But, um, but he managed to stretch the play. And, you know, you want to see a little bit more of that from them, I think, because they were a little bit predictable today. Um, I thought both teams... Cancelled each other out. I mean, technically, it was it was exceptional, really, and and not just because of the teams involved, but it did sort of feel like a knockout game. It was kind of like a quarter final, quite mm. tight, you know. And they they, they definitely cancelled each other out in the first half. The xG numbers in the first half were, were pretty horrific. I think it was 0 0.16 for Spain and 0 0.12 for Germany. Um, I guess the two key moments were both offside, so obviously that doesn't count in the old XG. Um, but yeah, it was a good game. Obvious weaknesses to both teams. Mm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you could say either would be contenders to maybe. Really, I don't, know. I, I don't think so. Think, Spain. So many people were so excited. Yeah. After the the Costa Rica yeah. result, and I guess we're looking to the Germany game to provide a better measure of That's where it. they stand. We were always going to learn far more about them tonight, they, weren't we? They didn't look good when Germany hounded them mm -hmm. inside their own defensive third, did they? Um, I was really impressed with Germany's pressing. They hunted in packs. They were really, really aggressive and hostile. And and that sort of new look Spain rearguard, because you've got Rodri, who's a cent central midfielder, partnering Laporte. They didn't look that comfy. And uh, yeah, I think the other teams now will look at what happened there and look to do the same because the thing is with Spain, if you sit off and wait for them to get into your middle third, they, they're going to have the ball all day long, aren't they? They're just going to toy with you. I think the best opportunity to steal it off them is where Germany went went after them in this game. So so that was good. On that finish, by the way, from Morata, it's, it's trademark Giroud, isn't it? That that near post run gets across his mark, a little flick in at the near post. That is when I saw that goal, I just thought that is Olivier Giroud, but. Uh, but it wasn't. It was Morata and uh, he did ever so well. It was, it was a good moment. Were Germany unlucky not to win it at the end? Yeah, I think so. They had great chances, didn't they? I think Leroy Sané, when he went through, 
should have opened his body up and gone for the right foot finish, but he's, he's pretty one-footed, isn't he, Leroy Sané? And he, he went round the keeper and the angle was tight. Kimmich had a great chance as well, didn't he, towards the end that, that Simon pushed away. I think that, that Musiala as well had a, had a great effort, didn't he? he? Absolutely pinged it when really the goalkeeper was just chancing his arm, wasn't he? He didn't even make a dive. He was like, right, I'm going to stand up and hope for the best. And it hits his arm. So... I think Germany were absolutely worth the draw in the end. But, but for me, they didn't truly come alive as an attacking force until the last 20 minutes. But they, they, they were quite brave at that time because, you know, potentially if they'd, if they'd really opened up and conceded two, three late goals, that, that's them out of the tournament. You know, as, as it was stood, they, they were going to need a goal difference swing from winning their last game. So, you know, they, they, they were spirited. They were spirited. Apart from Musiala, they, 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 they do lack quality and, they, and they've got defensive issues. But yeah, will will the new guy be the new Kevin Davis? That's the question. I think he could be the new Ricky Lambert. Mm. You feeling that? It's sort Good of show. big lad, isn't he? Broad-shouldered, mm. kind well, of old when he made his debut. Only time will tell. As it is, the standings after two sets of matches for Group E are Spain four points, Japan three, Costa Rica also three, Germany one. So Germany, who have only won two of their last 10 games at major tournaments, that's two of their last 10, now have to beat Costa Rica and hope that Japan don't beat Spain. We've got good news on that front for the Germans, Tim. eh? We watched Costa Rica won Japan nil earlier on Sunday, a dismal first half. Those first half XG numbers you quoted for the Spain-Germany game absolutely dwarfed or rather the opposite of dwarfed by the numbers from the Costa Rica-Japan game. First half XG there was 0.02 against (laughs) 0.03. Oh, does that... Wow, really? Yeah, and at half-time, the Japan manager made the necessary changes because nothing nothing was happening. And then they were kind of all over Costa Rica in the second half, at least to begin with, no? And they looked very much the team that was going to take this. But somehow... With 10 minutes to go, Costa Rica had their first shot on target of the entire tournament and bagged three points with that one shot. Boom. I mean, they, did, they didn't enforce a goal kick against Spain. It's remarkable, really, that, that, they're, that they're still even in the tournament. Yeah, I, watched, I had the misfortune of watching certainly, certainly that first half. And then I happened to catch the highlights later. They showed some brief highlights before mm. one of the later games. And the only highlight of the first half was a, was, was a ball which went across the face. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's never <laughs> appeared in the highlights package ever, has it? An incident like that. Oh, incredible. It was, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a shocker. It was a good goal though, wasn't it? From uh, Keisha Fuller. It was a good goal, but it was awful keeping. Uh, that, if, the if, defender as well, I think, was complicit. Yeah, if yeah. I was in goal, I think that's how I'd try to save it, sort of like get so my timing wrong, who, falling who forward. didn't see it. So the, the ball has been kind of hoofed up in the air by another Japanese defender. Sorry for not identifying them, but it comes down. And he's a little bit casual, one, one of the centre-halves. He just kind of flicks it forward, but it goes straight to uh, the aforementioned uh, Keisha Fuller, who curls a beautiful shot to the kind of top corner, and uh, Shuichi Gonda, kind of, what happens? Well, he's, it, I, th- I think, yeah, he gets his timing wrong. So he, he sort of goes early. Um, so he's sort of he's sort of falling onto the ball by the time that it gets to him and, and he sort of flaps it in. Mm. Um, yeah, not great. I mean, it's interesting that, you know, Japan and Saudi Arabia caused those massive shocks in the first round of games. I know they both lost their follow-up against, you know, definitely much weaker opposition. So... They'll be kicking themselves because if they if they'd won that, then yeah. 
I assume that, yeah, they'd be through now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think Japan will have huge regrets, won't they? I mean, this is what an opportunity to go through with two wins out of two. I think they picked the wrong team. You look at the players that came off the bench in the Germany game, absolute difference makers. The game changed. Asano was outstanding. and A lot of people think he should be playing anyway. Minamino, we know that he's a class act. He's got got plenty in his locker. And, And Mitoma, the guy from Brighton, Every time I see him, he's skipping round a fullback, whether it's for, for the Seagulls or whether it's for Japan, and and yet we didn't see him until t- till you know over the hour mark. I think I think Japan will will wish they could rewind the clock and yeah. just start this game again. Well, maybe we'll see Mitoma and company skipping past the Spanish in the final group stage game. They're going to need something like that. Their chances look slim. Next up, we're moving on to all the drama of Group F. This is the Totally Football Show, sponsored by LiveScore Bet, the home of squads. Squads is a weekly free-to-play game. You reveal five players across the week which make up your squad, and you can earn cash each time they score in the selected games. The cash amount is decided by LiveScore Bet's prize wheel and can range from 10p up to £50 per goal, which you can spend once the final player is revealed. Find out more and play squads for yourself for free at LiveScoreBet.com or by downloading the LiveScore Bet app on Android and iPhone. It's over 18s only and full terms and conditions apply. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Group F, ironically named actually, given that Canada boss John Herdman had said that Canada were going to F Croatia on Sunday. As is often the way when you come up with stuff like that, it was his side whose box was repeatedly penetrated in a 4-1 defeat. Crikey. Uh, I want to thank the Canada coach for the motivation, said Cramrich, who got two goals in this game. Hmm. They did take the lead, at least, Canada, in this. Scored too early. Is that what happened? That was what it was. It was a good goal, though. A really it? good goal. That's mm. the kind of goal he, you probably dream of scoring the night before, I think. You know, the right. way that he runs onto it. So, for anyone who didn't see this, it's very, very, very much the start of the game. And Alfonso Davis bombs forward. Mm. Bombs forward, right wing cross, lands straight up, straight on his head, and it's a proper bullet header. Buchanan with the cross in towards Alfonso Davies! A goal the country has been dreaming about for decades finally arrives. 
what a moment as mm. well um, for their first World Cup goal. Um, great moment for him as well. He's I think he was he was born in a in a Ghanaian refugee camp. You know he's got a fantastic, not fantastic, but very interesting backstory. This came just seconds after uh, Martin Keown had referred to Canada as the USA. <laughs> Which he managed to do in the first minute of the match. Um, so he's on John Herdman's F list, presumably now as well. Keown, um, it was a header and a half, wasn't it? What I liked about it was the run because he, he he's made a run of about fifty yards to to get there in the first place, and as the ball is is travelling from uh, Tejon Buchanan, he 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 sort of deviates his run inside the fullback. And then times the leap perfectly. It was absolute textbook. I've got to say that Buchanan really impressed yeah. me. I know that he's had his moments for Club Brugge this season, but um, yeah, he's, he's he's been excellent in both the games, you know, tormenting fullbacks really. And and I think he's played a big part in their creativity. I was looking at some of the stats actually. Even though they're going home, we know that Canada they can't qualify. Only Germany, Brazil, France and Spain have averaged more shots than really? per 90. Yeah, they've averaged 15 a game. Mm. It's not bad for a team that, that have got nil poids. Well, indeed. Well, but, indeed. But does that kind of back up the slightly naive approach maybe a little bit? Oh, look, tactically, they weren't great. And, and Herdman is a good coach, no doubt about that. I think he's, he's improved them hugely. The qualifying campaign was awesome from their perspective, but they were a little bit green, I think, in this game, tactically. What we saw was them get dragged to the side of the pitch. Croatia was sort of dragging them towards the wing and then flipping the ball inside to a Kovacic or to a Modric. Unbelievably big gaps down the spine of the pitch and, and Croatia were just too savvy for them in the game. All right, well, let's talk about Croatia, who did win the game, who did score four goals. The equaliser came from Kramaric, Andre Kramaric, after a lovely little, little ball slipped through by Ivan Perisic, Kramaric got a second later on. There was also one from uh, Marco Levaya and Lovren Meyer right at the death. Uh, pretty impressive stuff, that second half. Any chance that we are underestimating Croatia? Yeah, I think so. Probably, probably due to their performance at the Euros last year. Um, I think I'm right in saying they've got the same manager that they had at the World Cup last time when they got to the final. But he has, he has kind of brought some, some new younger players uh, through Perisic, obviously one of the ones that's that stayed in the team. I mean, he's lost his pace, but but not his accuracy and his and his quality. Um, I saw the Opta tweet that since Euro 2012, only Ronaldo has more goal involvements at major tournaments, so Euros and World Cups. Uh, he's got seven assists for Spurs this season as well. Uh, excellent via set pieces, and they've got a really a really nice team. Um, they're a horrible team to sort of come from behind against. I think when when it was at two one. You, you could just see that Canada were going to really struggle to sort of play their way through, um, with the technical quality of that of that midfield um, and the front line as well. I think they've they've got goals in them. They got a really good midfield, haven't they? No doubt about that. I think Kovacic was great in this game. He was the star man in my opinion. But but yeah, Perisic, he just he just drips of end product, doesn't he? He, he might not do that much. Um, for, for 20, 30 minutes, but in the moments that matter, he often finds the right pass, the right cross. One of the new faces has really impressed me as well. The centre-half, Gavardiol from, from Leipzig. I think he's had a really good start to the World Cup. Both games he's impressed me. Reads it well. He's aggressive and he's excellent on the ball. So 
I think they've got a player on their hands there. And uh, I think post-World Cup, there might be quite a bit of interest in, in this centre-half. What made Kovacic the star of the show for you? I, I, well, I think he was afforded too much space by Canada. No doubt about that. I just I just felt that he, yeah, he, he seemed to always have a sort of three or four yards of space around him. And his uh, progressive passes were good. He travelled with the ball down the spine of the pitch well. And yeah, they, they deserved the win. They had 10 shots on target. I think without Borjan in goal for Canada, this could have been ugly, actually. Which I feel bad saying that because it wasn't as if they were awful in the game. You know, no. they had their moments. Um, but but yeah, they're just a little bit too naive at the back and, and, and they've paid a heavy price for it. So I'm... Um, Nicking all my best material from um, Opta today. Um, but they tweeted that Kovacic made five tackles in this game, created four chances and had a pass accuracy of 93%. Now, who on earth works this out? I don't know. But the last player to achieve those numbers in a World Cup game mm. was Lothar Matthäus for West Germany <laughs> against Yugoslavia wow. in 1990, which I think is quite an certainly an iconic goal for him in that game, but mm. also an iconic sort of performance. So it shows you... Just how important it is to that it team. And, yeah, it doesn't know. feel like it was that special a performance. Like it was, it right. was a good. Do you mean specifically those numbers? Yeah, so he's reached those levels. No okay. one else has Remind reached. Remind me those. of the iconic Lothar Mateus goal. Uh, he sort of bursts from midfield and then uh, drives it in from from twenty five thirty yards at the San Siro. Mm. Oh yeah, I think. classic. <laughs> All think right, it won, excellent. I think it won goal of the tournament. I think yeah, it was it. Yeah, it's definitely an iconic moment. There you go. Canada <laughs> out of this World Cup. But they can still claim their first ever World Cup points when they face Morocco this Thursday. The problem is that, oh dear, Morocco are actually looking really good as well. On Sunday, they went and beat Belgium 2-0. A remarkable result from a remarkable team, as we hear now from Mahir Mazahi. Maher, incredible scenes today for Morocco. They hadn't won a World Cup match in 24 years. Today, they turned over the side ranked number two in the world. Tell us, how did they do it? They did it by fully executing the coach's game plan. Uh, Walid Regragi came in playing his typical 4-3-3. He's only been in charge for five matches now. They've used that formation every single time. And they've always defended very narrow, very compact. And then they've tried to score on set pieces and counterattacks. And that's exactly what they did today. They scored one set piece and one counterattack. It's extraordinary. Five games in charge, or six, I think, in all, you know, including uh, unofficial matches, and they've yet to concede a single goal under him. Right. That's that's really been a team effort. It hasn't just been the 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 backline that's played really well. It's really been uh, starting from the the striker Yusuf Nasiri, who can be kind of clumsy in front of goal, but uh, he chases down, he harries down defenders, and and it's really a testament to how much this team has bought in. And I think that's why they made the switch um, under the previous manager Vahid Halilodzic. We felt that the team was kind of split into people that bought into the coach's philosophy and some of the stars that maybe were clashing with the coach. But when Walid came in, he's much more of a unifier, much more of a federator, and he's got everybody playing for him. And I think that's his biggest strength. It certainly looks like they were all enjoying themselves today. An absolutely deafening atmosphere there at the uh, Althamama. Yeah, I mean, that's, for me, been one of the more enjoyable things about this World Cup is seeing teams like Morocco, Tunisia, Saudi Arabia play in a, in a home atmosphere, pretty much. Um, you know, you had tens of thousands of Moroccan supporters traveling and you had tens of thousands already living in Qatar as part of the diaspora. And you could really feel it, I believe, in the last you know, 15 minutes of this match when you had uh, a one-goal lead and 
you know it's going to be intense. Every single kick is going to be contested. And you hear that nonstop, incessant cacophony of whistles and boos raining down whenever Belgium have possession. And then any clearance, there's that roar of relief. And you, you have that communion between the players and the supporters. And when you have that kind of spirit in the side, I think it's very difficult to, to lose to anybody, whether you're playing against Brazil, Belgium or, or Canada. Mm. Well, a goalless draw against Croatia, which looks pretty good in context of their uh, last result in the first game. And then this victory here over Belgium. When the draw was made, Maher, uh, Morocco were in a group with two of the top three from the last World Cup. I, I imagine not many people thought they might be joint top after two games. Yeah, there was a lot of uncertainty, even in Morocco, because it was you know such a new coach, such a late appointment. We didn't really know what to expect. Um, what I can tell you is that traditionally, if we talk about collective memory as a nation, Moroccans usually aren't too scared of the traditional footballing powerhouses. In, in 1986, you know, they had good matches against England and Portugal. Uh, they usually play up to the opposition, but then play down to the opposition. So a superstitious Moroccan supporter will say, yeah, I expected us to play well against Belgium and Croatia. I hope we just don't choke it away against Canada now. So that's really the, the typical Moroccan experience at a World Cup. So all concentration is going to be uh, needed for, for this final match, and they're going to have to at least nick a draw. Here, Mazahi, always a treat to hear from him. And yeah, remarkable stuff from Walid Redragi, the uh, the Morocco manager. One of this uh, part of this new wave that we seem to be seeing of of African African managers. And that that first goal was pretty nice, wasn't it? The uh, Sabiri one. Yeah, I think that might be my moment of the day. Really? Yeah, I think it just just took the roof off. I thought the Moroccan fans were just sensational and. To, to pull off a second free kick of, of the match that basically where you're trying to shoot when everybody expects you to cross the ball, I thought was was quite admirable from Morocco. He, he absolutely fizzed it in there, didn't he? And and I love the fact that Roman Saiz, who got offside, effectively cost his team that first goal, right. did it again. Because Ziyech had, had put the ball in the net mm. with a free kick in the first at the end of the first half, yeah. though, and then it was called back for offside on Sice. And at this time, he had to kind of tuck his midriff out the way as the ball whizzed past yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. If, yeah, if, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. And, and it, was a, it was obviously a flaw that the manager, Redraghi, had, had identified in, in Thibaut Courtois, the way that Belgium defended their free kicks. I think he deserves a lot of credit. Um, on the first offside, he was interfering. There's absolutely no doubt about that. But the only part of him that was offside, um, Roman says, was, was his shirt sleeve, like right on the edge of his shirt sleeve, where if he'd have scored with that, it would have been disallowed. I, I feel that this was the prime example of why that rule needs to change. It's got to be feet, hasn't it? We, we, haven't, had just, a, just, we haven't had a change in the offside rule for ages now. <laughs> I say that uh, with I mean, you for one. Yeah, it was mm. it really frustrated me at the time, but oh, but well. at least they made up for it. And I, I just thought they were outstanding, Morocco. And the two wingers as well, I like a, a maverick winger. And I think they've got two two sort of, um, yeah, top mavericks really in, in Bufal and Ziyech. Often frustrating, but in this game, both... Just fabulous. Top Maverick. Sounds like the name of a film, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> Rick Raggy win, winning the, the, the managerial battle then with Roberto Martinez. How underwhelmed are you with Belgium? Is that it for them? 
Underwhelmed because I think lack of prep time has been a major factor in this tournament. And you'd think Belgium, you know, that this this group of players and this manager have been around for a long time. It shouldn't really affect them. You know, in, 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 I think you've seen lots of teams have had defensive issues because right. they haven't had time to, to train but very do much, they, But do they have the air of possibly the least motivated of all the teams out there? Just from the, the way that they carry themselves on the pitch, De Bruyne is saying we're not going to do anything, we're too old. Yeah, really, su- this. really surprising comments, it, it, yeah. it, just seems like they're actually not. I agree. Yeah, it was chalk and cheese. We four one four one was the formation for Morocco, but every player made a dynamic run every couple of seconds. They were sprinting to close players down. They were all working together, hunting. You know, with the ball, every player had two or three options because teammates were moving for them. Flip it around to, to Belgium, and and they were they were just jogging, just jogging around the pitch. Didn't really seem to have any. Any motivation at all, and uh, yeah, I, I guess when you look at that team, though, why why should we consider Belgium as contenders? Really, I think you you got to look at Courtois, top goalkeeper, mm. world class keeper, and Kevin De Bruyne. Elsewhere around that side, you know, a lot of players aren't, aren't even first choice at their clubs. Neither of those two players probably should be said had a great game today. Quite the opposite in uh, Kevin De Bruyne's case. Uh, they're not out of it, Belgium. But here's how the group stands. Group F is Croatia, four points. Morocco, also four points. Belgium, three. And Canada, none. So the final set of games in that group next Thursday, we'll see Canada take on Morocco and Croatia up against Belgium. Uh, No word yet on which Morocco keeper will be fit for that one, Tim. Yeah, this was very unusual that that the keeper, Bono, uh, had to withdraw in between the anthems and kickoff. Right. I think I think I think it was it was a vision issue, um, and certainly the the vision of lots of commentators was was queried because nobody seemed to notice until about until about twenty minutes in that the keeper had changed. Um, yeah, thirty eighth thirty eighth minute on the on the BBC was it? Yeah, they they were they were getting a lot of stick for this. But had, I I had sympathy. Yeah, yeah, had Belgium actually forced the keeper into action in those thirty eight minutes? Probably, probably not. I don't remember many. Early I mean, chances. which is a quite an extenuating um, circumstance. And look, though. they're up pretty high. I think the vantage point are high. Right. Someone, someone, unless someone tells you, I've been in that position before where it's been right. a late change, and you, if you're a long, long way away and you don't, you're not that familiar with with the how these individual players look. It, it, it's not that obvious. So they <laughs> they got a lot of stick, it's but very uh, late though. That's mm. really unusual. Um, equally loved, Canada and USA that's easily done if you know you're away away and... <laughs> what I loved about that though was that was the Moroccan manager hmm. was t- totally unflustered by it. I don't know if you saw footage of him basically finding out he's like he's taking it on the chin there's no fuss he just turned given the sub goalie a hug and said look mate you're up I got, I believe in you, and that was it. And 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 away he went there was no panic at all yeah, but... despite the fact that they were living on the edge without Bono Oh, you too, Tim. (laughs) I'm so sorry. All right, next up is previews of Monday's action. Incredible game. When they play with a false nine, it changes everything. A false nine, eh? What's that, then? Well, it's, um, (laughs) you know, it's what he's he's a nine, but he's not really a nine in the area. And uh... Oh, sorry, I've just got to take that. Urgent football question? Call the Athletic Emergency Football Hotline 0800 433 433. News, insights, analysis, The Athletic. Know the game, love the game. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? 
Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, sponsored by LifeScore Bet. You can get the latest football betting odds at LifeScoreBet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. Monday sees the final set of second round games. It's Groups G and H. In Group G, Cameroon and Serbia will be facing off early 10am UK time. Both teams lost their openers, of course. Cameroon 1-0 to Switzerland. Serbia 2-0 to Brazil. Brazil and Switzerland will play each other at four. They drew 1-1 in the group stage of the last World Cup, you know. In Group H... At 1pm UK time, you've got South Korea against Ghana. Ghana will be out if they lose. And at 7, Portugal take on Uruguay, which could be an absolute sizzler. Portugal will be through if they win. Hmm. I think it could be a cracker, that, Tim. What do you, what do you reckon? you just come back from a trip to Portugal, haven't you? Yeah, I went to Lisbon uh, last week to watch Portugal's final friendly. Mm. Uh, I was on Ronaldo watch. I was dispatched to follow him because this was two days after his big interview. Um, but he was he was on the bog when I got there and d- didn't play. <laughs> he had um, uh, gastroenteritis. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was I was I was kind of out there to look at how unusual because he hasn't been making runs for a long time. Oh, that's lovely. Um, <laughs> so good. <laughs> He's, he didn't try and break into the toilets or anything like that. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, but the team played really really well without him, and they you know too. what? There was a big narrative about oh they played better without Ronaldo, but they didn't play badly in their opener, their 3-2 victory against Ghana, even though there was that late scare at the end when Inaki Williams tried to sneak behind the keeper with the Yeah, ball. when Costa, Costa, that was crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. The, the, well, people are probably bored of the Ronaldo debate, but in, Port, okay. in Portugal they're having the same debate that has, has been had here for many months. You know, Should, okay. should he still be starting? What, what's he going to do Sunday week when it's all over? Is he going to go back to Madeira and do some gardening? Or what's the plan? Well, he's a, he's 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 a free agent. Yeah. I mean, he gets he needs, needs to find another club, doesn't All he? Right. Where's he going to go? Maybe drive a cab or open a pub. <laughs> <laughs> Solid options. Do, do you really think this is going to be a sizzler? What the push? Yeah, it's got nil nil written all over it. Do you think? It, it? I think I think there's a lot of shithousery potentially as well Oof. between these two Strong teams. Strong words. Do you not think? Are either of them mediocre? Do you think? No, I just think that they're <laughs> Uruguay like to 
spoil, don't they? Yeah. They just spoil. yeah. And I think a point a point isn't the worst result for both teams because because yeah. then Uruguay can can go to beat Ghana in the last game to go through, which I think yeah. they, would, they would probably take. Um, right. Interestingly, Danilo Pereira, who played at centre-half in the last game, is out of this game because he's broken his ribs, cool. but they don't know how he did it. Hmm. So um, it was discovered um, at the end of training that he'd actually fractured a couple of ribs, oh. and they are, they are none the wiser, Okay, which is unusual. There you go. Well, that is Uruguay against Portugal. Watch it at your peril. The other game in that group... Earlier on is South Korea against Ghana. But Group G is what I want to talk about next because it features Brazil. They're on three points after their 2-0 win over Serbia. The other team on three points are, of course, Switzerland. And that's who they're facing next. Could the Swiss put a spanner in the Sellers House works? Well, here's Oliver Zessiger to assess their chances. Pop quiz. Which European country beat Spain 2-1 this September? Portugal 1-0 in June. Knocked world champions France out of the Euros last summer and took Spain to penalties. Topped their World Cup qualifying group ahead of Italy, conceding only two goals along the way. Which country would that be? I have two guesses. Could be Liechtenstein or Switzerland, but I go for Switzerland. Indeed. Why why are we not talking more about Marit Yakin's Swiss? It's a good question because we... Probably a rock-solid team, no real weaknesses, but also no real strengths that jump the eye. So uh, it's probably that. that and, and I mean, we were talked about a lot last summer uh, after the France game, which was probably the best day of football I've ever seen. I mean, you remember the other game that was that day. And uh, yeah, I think it's just that the players, except for maybe uh, Grani Chaka, they're not playing with big clubs and uh, they're not as eye-catching as Kylian Mbappé or uh, uh, Saka, for example. All right. Murat Yakin calls this the best Swiss side ever. Would you concur? I would, yeah. Uh, I do it as well. And a lot of people and the Swiss press are calling that as well. So I've followed the Swiss national team since 1992 and I've, I cannot remember a better group than we have currently. Okay. Is it good enough to stop Brazil? It is good enough on a good day, yes, uh, because we're definitely defensively rock solid and it all goes from there. Um, my only question is uh, how can we score goals against uh, Brazil's side? And goals are always hard to come by for Switzerland because we don't have top strikers. That may change this World Cup with Brill and Bolo up front, but uh, general uh, strikers are not our strengths. Mm, okay, three goals in three uh, international matches now for Mbolo. So, yeah, uh, is there a lot of excitement around him? And what is the mood in Switzerland after the 1-0 win over Cameroon in the opening game? I think it's uh, realistic, tending to positive right now because everybody expects us to beat Cameroon. Everybody was a bit disappointed with the first half. That was not a good half, but uh, it was the first half of the tournament. So it, it's, it's used to go to get into the tournament groove. Um, but uh, I think Swiss are currently very positive around the team because they know uh, it's a very good team and also a very balanced team from the setup, uh, how many strikers that we have and how many midfielders. And uh, in the end, uh, how tough are uh, defences to break down? Right. And, and one of the players who I think you were kind of hinting at before, who's maybe not a huge name, but is an absolutely rock solid player, Jan Sommer, the goalkeeper. Yeah, Jan Sommer. Every summer where there is a big tournament, or in this case winter, 
People from around the world learn about how good Jan Sommer is as a goalkeeper. I mean, this season he set the Bundesliga record uh, in saves in a game against Bayern Munich. He made 19 saves. He has had an exceptional Euros 2020. And he's just a very good goalkeeper. His only weakness, if you can call it that, is his uh, lack of size. But... Uh, Usually on international stage, he is exceptional. And there was a scare before the tournament because he had an injury and uh, didn't look very fit in a pre-tournament friendly against Ghana. But it looks like from the uh, Cameroon game, it looks like he's back to his former self. So conservative optimism, is that, is that right, Oliver, ahead of this game? In kind of Swiss fan meme terms, you're still at the bucket hat on and looking concerned phase rather than the shirt off and roaring phase. Yeah, I mean, the shirt off and roaring face is not really typical Swiss. <laughs> right. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the Brazil game. We've, we've played them at the 2018 World Cup and we've drew. So the thing is, the Swiss got better, Brazil got better. So my hope is for a draw. And the other hope is that for our centre-backs not to get carded because uh, both have received the booking against Cameroon and if they miss out on a potentially deciding Serbia game, that would be a huge problem. There you go. Oliver Zesiger there. And that's going to be interesting, isn't it? Am I allowed to say that one's going to be interesting? Four o'clock on Monday afternoon, UK. I think it will. No Neymar. Of course, they do have options, Brazil, but still, no Neymar, they're no Danilo sure. as well. No, they're not short of uh, not short of alternatives to Neymar, are they, Brazil? But no, I, I thought that second half was was menacing, really. Again, against Serbia, they did not give a pretty dangerous Serbia side a sniff in that game. So I think it's going to be tough going for for Switzerland. But if anyone can sort of keep keep a top side at bay, it might be them. You know, the, the guys agreed, best Swiss side ever. They've got a little bit of confidence there, haven't they? Got to say, I'm I'm not that excited about the 10 a.m. game. The 10 a.m. games have been have not been great. Obviously, the 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 least, the least attractive teams do tend to play in those games. The, but the, the Saudi Arabia uh, Argentina wasn't that 10 a.m. That was good. Yeah, yeah. But there have been good. a couple of stinkers. there's no more. This is it. Yeah, this, this is, is the it. last one. Oh, can't miss it then. Yeah. After this, all the third group stage games have to be played at the same time. So yeah, Cameroon Serbia, your last opportunity to savor some World Cup action. Over a, uh, you know, cup of coffee. Very nice. Excellent. Well, that brings us to the end of today's Totally at the World Cup. We will have another one with you in about 24 hours' time. So do join us for that. In the meanwhile, it's many, many thanks to Meher, to Rafa, to Oliver, to Adrian, Tim, producer Charlie, and to you, listener. Hope you have a great Monday, and we'll speak to you soon. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app, discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by LiveScoreBet. Get the latest football betting odds at livescorebet.com. It's over 18s only. Please bet responsibly and be gambleaware.org. The Athletic.